Yeah, grab hold of your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll be taught the Word of God. And I'll never be the same again. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, Luke is the, four, is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, Luke was, he wrote eyewitness accounts of people that saw Jesus. His, his God, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all based upon either personal eyewitness accounts or interviewing eyewitnesses to what took place. And Luke is interesting in the fact that he was the only one that wasn't Jewish that wrote one of the Gospels. Matthew was Jewish, Mark was, and John was as well. But Luke wasn't. He was a physician, a Gentile. And so he wrote this account. Now, the new series that we're entering into is called The Challenge. And let me just say this, that each week we're going to present a challenge to us as a congregation. Now, so when we talk about challenging, it means we're going to confront maybe some thoughts that we have, some behaviors that we have, and all those kind of things. And, and if, you, if, if at any time, if you feel shame or condemnation or guilt, I'm not doing a good job of communicating. If you feel conviction, that's different, Right? I mean, because there'll be things I think we'll share over the next few weeks that at different points, all of us will be convicted. There'll be elements of when I'm preparing that I'll be convicted for some things I'll have to share because the Lord will deal with me about, you're going to get up and talk to people about this and you're going to have to do better if you're going to do that. I mean, he does that with me. Like, in other words, I'm not going to let you just say one thing and then do another. You've got to, he, he wants me to, that to be demonstrated in my life. And so sometimes I got to do better. A lot of times I got to do better. All the time I got to do better. So... So he, you know, he'll deal with me about that. And, and so one of the very first things we're going to talk about is this kind of basic thing, which is showing up to church. You're here today. You've got that. Now, we've lived in a, in a wild time in the last two years. It's been very difficult. And because of what we've been through in the pandemic, uh, people haven't, various people haven't been able to come. And there's no shame in that. In other words, they had to make decisions based upon their own personal health or the health of individuals around them. And so from that situation, many people, because of those things, that they... You know, they, they needed to do that, and there's no shame in that. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were thinking about other people or, or thinking about the people in the life for themselves, and so I get that. So I'm not speaking to you if that's you. But I am, who I am challenging today is, he, is I think some people have, you know, when it first started, didn't really know what to do, and now have kind of gotten comfortable with staying home, and you, you need to get uncomfortable with that. If, if you weren't in that group I just talked about, if there wasn't, one of these things, you just realize that right now I'm just kind of doing this just because it's, it's just easier. Then I want to challenge you today. I, well, you're in Luke, but I want to share with you from while you're there, Galatians 5.13. He said this, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So we've been called to live in freedom. You know, religious put, religion puts all of these responsibilities, all of these expectations on us. But Jesus has taken us away from religion. So the things I'm talking to you today about are not... Hey, you better do this or God's going to be mad at you. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about things that pertain to our relationship. But he said, we've been called to live in freedom, yet he warns us of this. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, that we, could, we could say, well, you know, I can be a Christian and not do this. I can be a Christian and it's okay and that kind of thing. But that's just, you know, there's truth in a lot of those things. But we have to be careful in how we approach those. Because the truth of the matter is, is that, is at some point, that, that can become kind of selfish in nature. And the one thing that we're not called to do as Christians is be selfish. 
Pastor, have you ever been selfish? A lot. A lot. And God wants to grow me out of that. And so this is what, you know, when we look at that, that we've been given freedom. We've been given freedom. But he says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's interesting. Since the pandemic, church attendance in one study has gone down 22%. There's more than one in five people who quit attending church. One in five churches will have closed during the pandemic. One in five permanently. And so it's just had, a, it's had an incredible negative impact on what takes place in the church. Now, throughout the history of the church, especially in the Western world, or throughout the history of the Western world church, we began to have our own facilities, our own structures, that churches throughout history close. You know, sometimes they just... You know, for whatever reason, they're just not able to sustain, you know, just meeting together, so they close. And a lot of times, they'll be absorbed into another congregation or another body. But the thing that's always happened is in our nation that we've had more churches that have started annually than churches that have closed. So it's continued to grow. The, the problem is, is that the last couple of years, we've had more churches close than we've had start. And so that's not a healthy thing for the body of Christ. And so we're going to talk about that. And so... In Luke chapter 4, it says, this verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, so think about this for a minute, that Jesus went around and he, and he spoke in different places, and uh, you know, he, was, he, he would preach in different places, but then it says he came back to the village that was his hometown, which was Nazareth. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He'd been teaching different places. But it says this about him, that he went as usual. Everybody say as usual. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. In other words, his common behavior was that regularly he attended synagogue. Where, where God's people gathered together to worship he did that regularly. You would think that if, if this really was an important part of our walk or our spiritual journey, then if anybody could do without that, could, could afford not attending that, would be Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh. That he could look and say, come on guys, I'm God, I really don't, I don't need to go to this thing. And yet it says right here that his regular behavior, that he did this as usual, it was what he did. And so one of the, the, one of the reasons why that we think this is so important, number one, if you're taking notes, is that the example that Jesus gave us was to meet often. That even he met often, that, that he gathered together, that it was, it was one of those things that he did. And so we're, we're called to do that. He gave us that example in what he did. And so he stood up to read the scriptures. He did those things. And so that's number one. We're going to move on to number two. And we'll spend some time on number two. Turn if you, with me if you would. The Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is in the New Testament. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Keep going. Then both the Thessalonians, both Timothy's, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Hebrews 10. Now, the book of Hebrews, we're not, we're not really fully sure who wrote that. But, um, but there's enough in there that when they, when they decided what letters and things like that would go in the New Testament, they, this was obvious one that belonged there. And it was written to Christians, primarily Jewish Christians, that had converted to Christianity. And they were under a lot of pressure to convert back. They, you know, one of the things that would happen back then among some Jewish families is that if you became a Christian, 
that they would shun you. They wouldn't speak to you. They wouldn't have anything to do with you. They would just, uh, you know, and so you'd, be, you'd feel isolated and cut off from family and friends that you'd grown up with. And so there was tons of pressure to go back to not being a Christian anymore. They lived in a culture that around them, that there were so many voices that were pressuring them, challenging them. For some of you, this may be the world you live in right now. That you showing up to church may be uh, in opposition to, to people in your circle. They may think you're silly for showing up. Or they may think, you know, hey, I'm a Christian now. They may think you're silly for doing that. That, that we just, you know, maybe that's what you're dealing with. Well, right here, the writer of Hebrews was saying, he was giving them some things to help them know that this is what you do. In other words, if you're facing this persecution, I'll get it out here in just a minute. Anyway, um, I've been watching too much uh, Porky. Anyway, so uh, persecution, then, then these are the things that you need to do. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this. He said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Now, in this, there are three things that he told us to let. He said, let us do this. So the first thing is, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So the first thing we're called to do is to hold tightly to the promise that we've embraced. He was telling them, whoever the writer of this was, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was saying to these people that were being pressured to step away from their faith, hey, look, hold tightly to this. Hold tightly to it. Hold on to this promise. And he gave them a reason as to why. He said, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. So when we're going through a hard place. We're being persecuted to step away from our faith. Then one of the things that we're instructed to do in a hard place is, is not walk away from the promise that God has given us. For a relationship with him. To have a relationship with him and, and to receive Jesus into our life. He said, hold on to that tightly. Because why? Because we can trust God to keep his promise. God keeps his promises to us. So he said, first of all, hold on to that. Then he said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So he said, the second thing is, think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. In other words, he said, if you're going to hold tightly, he said, you got to get out of your own world yet you, you have to you got to quit thinking just about yourself you have to begin to serve and he said we have to look at ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works that it's one of those things that that anytime i'm in a hard place my kind of natural inclination sometimes is to withdraw and isolate i want to hide myself but right here he's writing to them he said you can't do that that's what the devil wants you to do if you're going through a hard place he wants you to withdraw. If you, you know, if you, if you got people around you pressuring you not to go, you can't withdraw from this. If you've been hurt by people here, you can't withdraw from this. You know, we, all, we all have our challenges. I know last week, you know, in communicating, I was, I was, there was one time I, in this service I was sharing something. And I was trying to make a point and trying to be funny. And when I said something, I'm like, that was just like really stupid. Why did I say that? And I couldn't get it off of me. And I was trying to make a point that, you know, I'd gotten into a situation and, and, um, and just really had done something to the inside of me. And what I should have said was, was I got to a place where I wasn't thinking about people's eternity. But that's not what I said. What I said was really dumb. And so if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. I'm really sorry. But it was just that that can happen, that we can, we can have those places where either we get hurt or we hurt somebody. And it's easy to pull back instead of understanding, hey, all of us are growing. All of us are different. I have to remember, I'm growing still. I, 
I have to do better. I can do better. And so for us, that, that we have to stay connected. So he said, let's, let's think of ways to motivate one another, acts of love and good works. And then the third one was, he said this, let us not neglect. Everybody say neglect. Our meeting together. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's what the church constantly talked about was that, the return, the, that his return was drawing near. But he said, we can't neglect that. We can't neglect the meeting together. Now, I've said this before, but I think we need to hear it. I think one of the most dangerous things in any relationship is neglect. I mean, you think about this, that you know, in marriage, one of the most dangerous things in marriage is when we neglect our marriage. How many of you have heard the verse that says you reap what you sow? How many of you have heard that in here, Right? We've all heard that verse, and the truth of the matter, you know, obviously it's true because it's scripture. Now, one thing the Bible doesn't say, but we've seen it lived out in principle, is only do we reap what we sow, but we reap where we sow. And so, you know, I know that, you know, if I'm not sowing into my marriage, that I, it's not because I don't love my wife, I just put other things ahead of that, or I'm giving attention to other things besides that, and so it's not reaping things in my marriage. And, and here's the problem with that, it's not like it stays neutral. I've used this example before, but when we lived in New Mexico, you know, the climate was different. And so I'm not a yard guy. Do we have any yard guys in here? How many yard guys do we have in here? Like, you know, your yard is, and I salute you guys. And, you know, if you ever want to come over and practice on my yard, you're welcome to do that. But here's the thing, is that I, it's just, I, I just don't. You know, and you're like, well, do you not have time? Well, a lot of times that may be it, but there's other times when I do have time, I don't want to be working on the yard or watch, watch, watch a ball game. So, so you say, well, how do you water the yard? I trust God like you should. And so here's the thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I, I do you know, let, let drink it. But anyway, so here's the thing, is that when we lived in New Mexico, you, you know, like here, last year, I didn't, I didn't water my yard at all. I didn't water my yard at all. It still stayed green. It still had to be mowed like every week, week and a half. I didn't do it, but it had to be mowed. And so, um, but we lived in New Mexico, like if you didn't water your yard, it was evident. It was obvious. And so um, you could look at one person's yard, and it would be totally green. The grass would be green. And then you could look at another yard, and it would be brown. That, that was my yard. And so it would be brown. And one of the things that would happen is, is that my kids would go outside, and they'd come back in, and these little stickers would be all over their socks and everything. So they're called goat head stickers. So I never went to the nursery one time and said, hey, I'd like some goat head stickers. I never planted one goat head sticker seed in my yard. You say, well, how did they get there? I neglected it. Just like when I neglect my marriage, it has an impact on my marriage. Things happen that I would never want to have happen. And not because I'm intentionally planting those seeds, but it's because I'm not caring for it. Well, right here, the writer of this says that one of the things that we have to do, that we can't neglect this, this meeting together. We can't neglect it, that it's one of those things that it's, it's so necessary for us. It's so needed for us. And so when we do neglect this, then it, it impacts our walk. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. People say, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right. You're right. I believe that's true. But it's kind of like being married. I don't have to go home to be married. But it sure helps my relation with my wife when I do. So, so you know, and again, our, our, we have to understand that right here, of all the things that he could tell them when they're going through this hard place, and this hardship, one of the things that he said, 
in, your, in this hard place when you're going through a really hard time, don't neglect this. Don't, don't quit doing this. this. This is important. It's significant in our walk. It, it helps plant us in what's supposed to take place in our world. We, for us to be spiritually healthy, this gathering together helps us. The word church is actually taken from a German word. It's, it's not a great translation from the Greek word ekklesia. And the word which is the word that we get the word church from. And the word ekklesia was not a religious term to begin with. It was typically a political term, which meant to gather. A gathering of a, of a political group or group with an agenda. Or with a cause, a common cause. So the word church in and of itself means to gather. Now, when you're saying church, you're saying the gathering, the, the getting together. And so, in the early church, they would meet regularly. Right here, the instruction he gave them is, is not neglect this. Don't neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so, a, a, another passage, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, And all the believers met together in one place, and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together, there's that word again, at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. In other words, they would gather at the temple, and then they would meet in homes. They had both going on. So they gather at the temple and meet in homes, and it says, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so, right here we have a picture of the early church that they would gather together. That it was one of the ways that they would celebrate, and they would get together every, uh, on a regular basis, like we get together once a week on Sundays, that we do this, that it helps anchor us. So, for each one of us to not neglect this getting together, to not neglect this, he said, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. We need this, you know, I, I know we all have different stories, and, um, you know, my story is I was, I was raised in church on a regular basis, and that may not be your story, but that was my story. So, and, we'll, and the third point, I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, where that began at and what happened, but for us to gather together, there are things that God does in our life, and he does in our world when we get here together. Meeting often keeps our walk strong. Meeting often keeps our walk strong. In other words, gathering regularly keeps our walk strong. Let's look at number three, and we'll spend a few minutes on this too. Go with me, if you would, to Psalms 122. Psalms 122. It's kind of in the middle of the, of the Bible. Psalms 122, verse 1. Now, David wrote this. He was a guy that was a king back in that time. And so this was like a, um, the book of Psalms was like somebody journaling, inspired journaling. In other words, the Holy Spirit would inspire them. They would talk about things they were going through and then how God would show up and how he would rescue them. And then other times, the book of Psalms would, would be a, a song book. It would be you know, like somebody would write something and they would sing from it. And so in Psalm 122 was a song that David had written that people could sing as they went 
to the, uh, as they went to the temple. And so as they're going up together, they would sing there. So in Psalm 122, verse 1, he says this. He said, I was glad. Everybody say glad. glad. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. So he said he was glad when they said that to him. Now, that's not everybody's thoughts. If somebody said, some people, if you say, hey, let's go to church, their first thought is not, I sure am glad to do that. Sometimes their thought is, really? So again, you, you know my, you know my story that I was raised where we went to church every week. It's just what we did when I was a kid. We did that up till the time I was about 11 years old. My dad got hurt in church, and then he was never the same after that. He didn't serve like he did. He would still attend most of the time, but it, it wasn't one of those things that he was committed to. Now, my mom continued to attend, but up until, until the time I was like 11 years old, we went every week, every week, and I'll just be real transparent with you that I didn't, as a kid, I didn't really like going, and it was just, I just didn't, I didn't like going. It was, when I went there, it was, it was boring to me, and I was, um, and the church service I went to, and again, it wasn't there, wasn't the church's fault that I was going to, it was I'll explain to you the reasons why. But at the end of the service, they would say, they would close with a benediction in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that was my favorite part of the service because I knew that's when I get to go home. I remember as a kid one time walking outside, I looked next door and some of the kids that I grew up with were playing basketball. And I'm like, they got the coolest parents in the world. On Sundays, they get to play basketball while I go to church. Now, we went every week. We went every week, and my, you know, the church I went to, if you went every week, you got a perfect attendance pin. And if we were out of town, man, we'd have the pastor sign our bulletin to show that we've been to church. I'd go there and show, hey, I've been to church. So the first year, I got this pin that I put on. The second year, I had a wreath that, put, that fit around it that said second year. And then they started making little bars for me, third year, fourth year, fifth year. I had up to five years of perfect attendance in church, man. I looked like a decorated war veteran when I walked in church. <laughs> And so, yes, thank you for your years of service. Can I get your breakfast? Absolutely. So, um, so I, I would walk in with that on. And, but it was, it was still, I mean, you know, I was kind of glad to, you know, to wear medals. But, I mean, but other, you know, if we're going to church. But it was just one of those things that still just wasn't my thing. But a huge reason was because I didn't understand what we were doing there. I mean, if I'd have known then what church was about, and why I needed to be there, they wouldn't have had to change what they were doing. I just thought it was a religious duty or an obligation, something else that I had to check off so that God wouldn't be mad at me. I have enough people in my life mad at me. I certainly don't need him breathing down my neck. But I, I didn't know what the purpose of church was. We just went. We put on different clothes than we wore during the week. And we went and we sang from this book and the music sounded different than what I sang during the week, even as a kid. And the guy got up and, and gave a talk. And, and again, in a lot of ways, I mean, there's things that we can always do better, but in a lot of ways, most of this wasn't on them. It was, I didn't get, why, why are we doing this? I just know that we go, my parents don't ask me if I want to, just like they didn't ask me if I want to go to school on Monday. We just went. It would have been, and, and you know, in fairness, I don't know, if, they may not have known entirely why we're going. They may have just went because it's, that's how my dad was raised. His dad was like a song leader in a church. My mom was raised, her, her family had, a, they both had hard lives. 
And she later on, church became her thing. But I, you know, I, never, really, I never really thought in that season to ask them, why do we go? Because I just knew that that had nothing to do with whether we go, we're going. And I think that's part of the issue is, is that so many people view this as, well, I don't want God mad at me, so I'm going to go. Or, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I want to be a good person, so I'm going to go. And all of those things are, are none of the reasons why we should be here. We're called to, we're called to gather as, as a spiritual family that, that in all of our differences we have this in common, that we, we know who Jesus is and we know that we need him. Amen. And so we gather together and, and together as, as a family we worship and we celebrate together. And, and then we're, you know, we're fed from God's word. And, and we, we, get to, we get to hang out with people that are in our spiritual family and, and do life together. And my desire for all of us, we'll talk more about this in a few weeks, is that one of the things that we do is, is not just gather here on Sunday mornings, but like they did, they, they gathered in the temple and then they gathered from house to house. But there was just something about it that they did this regularly. It was a part of who they were. And so when David said, he didn't say, when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord, I thought, well, I haven't been in a while, I better go. That wasn't his response. Or I was mad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So I was glad when they, so, so there must have been something he got about it that I was missing as a kid. And when I began to understand what the reason is, this is not a burden for me. And I'm going to jump ahead of you before you get there. And you're like, well, dude, you kind of have to be here. And I get that, all right? But I'll tell you this much. that I like this so much. A lot of times when we go out of town on vacation, I go to church on Sunday morning. And it's not because I'm trying to impress anybody. It's not so I can have a story to tell you now. I just get this. I get this. It's not, it's not a burden to me. Now, you know, when I was younger, as I began to understand this a little bit, I remember that, you know, I was still fully didn't understand, and sometimes I was like, I don't want to go to church. And so I began to serve because I knew I'd have to show up. But, but to get to a place where you're finally like, oh, I, I know why we need this now. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that we, we can hear messages. We, we live in an age that there's so many things taking place, so many conveniences. They're doing everything they can to isolate us from each other. And yet... One of the most important things that you get when you gather here is the interaction that takes place with each of you. There are people that I watched growing up that just by being at church and being around them and seeing how these men love their wives challenged me to be a good husband when I grew up. There are people in our church now that I watch that I see how they love their wives that challenges me to be a better husband than I am. There are things that I see with people and, and how they conduct themselves whenever they're disappointed. That being here together says something to me, reveals something to me. I look forward to that. I, I like the exchange. I like the interaction. I, I like the call that God has given us. I, I realize that our world is so crazy and chaotic right now. You can turn the TV on. It doesn't take 30 seconds to realize that this, this planet, the people on it, the systems, they're broken. Things aren't working. 
And where do we go? You know, the, the thought is to isolate ourselves in fear or to lash out in anger. But there's another option. It's to surrender to Jesus, give our lives to him, and gather together as a family and enjoy the fact that we have a hope that's beyond this world. And so it's one of the things that we get to do here. Not because we have to. Not because, not in hopes that God will love us. He loves you as much now as he's ever going to. His love is not based upon my performance or your performance. It's based upon a relationship that we have with Jesus. And his nature's on the inside of us. And we begin to go for his reasons instead of these religious things that we think of like, I guess I haven't been in church in a while and, you know, and, and I, I guess I better go so God's not mad at me. Wrong reason. Wrong reasons. Not even true. If you're coming here in hopes that God won't be angry at you anymore, that's not the case. Oh, Pastor, you're still going to be angry at me? He's not angry at you. I can stay home and not be angry? Yes. But why? Why would you do that? So this is what we're called to do. And I say this, if meeting often is a burden, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. We need to understand what the purpose of this is. For us to come together and worship God from our heart. Celebrate Him. Engage in fellowship and conversation and relationship and journey together in life with people that recognize they're, they're just as broken, maybe in different places than me, but recognize their need for Jesus just like I do. And serve and use my gifts in various areas. And yes, sometimes be disappointed. Sometimes run across somebody that may be disappointed. Sometimes I may disappoint people and to have those things. But because we understand that we're all a work in progress, that, that God is on the inside of us, making us want to do what he wants us to do and then giving us the ability to do what he wants to do, that his nature and his life begins to live out from the inside of us. And we are examples of what that life on the inside of us looks like. And we come together and we encourage each other in the things that we do. That this is a place of encouragement and hope and growth. And so we begin to embrace those things and understand that this isn't a burden at all. It's not a sacrifice at all. And we'll get to the point where David got. This dude was king. And he had so many things going on in his life. Think about all the things that he could have chosen. And yet his response, when somebody said, let's go to the house of the Lord, he was like, yes. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And so it was one of those things that he embraced, and it's because he got it. And I know when we get it, this is no longer a burden, it's no longer a responsibility, it's only one of those things that I hate to do, but because I want to be a good boy, I'm going to go do it anyway. But it's a place we come and celebrate the presence of God, and let the love of God be ministered in our hearts, and we begin to experience that. This is the place you want to be. Number three is this. If meeting off is a burden, you're doing it wrong. Let's do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just, just spend a moment with God. Just let him just deal with your life. Let him speak to you. And just have a real honest conversation with him about, and even if it's point like, Lord, I, you know, I, I love you, so I show up here, but I, I really don't like church. Just let him speak to you in this honest moment. Spend a moment with God. 
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for always being good to us. I pray for our lives, Lord. I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name that, that we would just understand the value of, of this, of this gathering together. That it would not be burdensome to us, but it, it would be a thing that we look forward to, that we connect with. So, Jesus, our lives are yours. We can celebrate you, yes, in private, by ourselves. But we also have an opportunity to celebrate you together. And that's a good thing. So I pray that for our lives, Father, that we would embrace that in the name of Jesus. Before we go, with heads bowed and eyes closed, man, if you're here today, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and you want to do that today, I, I want to pray for you. You know, to become a Christian, there is a surrendering my will to his. So I receive him as my Savior. I, I make him Lord of my life, meaning I'll do what you want me to do. So if that's you, I, I want to pray for you today. Second of all, if you're here and you say, uh, you know, Rick, I've done that, but honestly, man, I've gotten off track. And so I want to get back to the place that I was. Can I? And the absolute truth is that, yes, you can. If you can get back to the place that you were, he can restore you. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because I've been where you are. I've gotten off track before, too, and needed to recommit my life. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. And then lastly, if you're here and you say, you know, sometimes I think I'm saved, but other times I struggle with, what, what if I'm not? I wish I could just be sure. Well, I, I want that for you as well. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. So for any one of those three things, whether to give your life to Jesus for the very first time or to recommit your life to him or just to leave here knowing that you're his, if that's you on any one of those three things, I want to pray for you today with heads bowed and eyes closed. Just so I know who I'm praying for, just so I'm praying for, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and hold it up there for just a minute? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else want to join these? Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, I want to pray for you. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for being good to us. And I pray, Lord, for each person that's raised their hand. And, Father, if this is their very first time, that I pray in this moment that they would become a new creature in Christ. That old things would pass away and all things would become new. And, Father, if they're recommitting their lives, I thank you that in this moment that you would restore the joy of their salvation. That they would leave here just like the first group forgiven, not condemned forgiven and father lastly i pray for the third group that if they leave here today they'll know they're yours i ask you father in jesus name their confidence will not be in how good they are nor will it be in how good they feel but their confidence will be in what jesus has done for us and that you promised whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved and so we thank you for that father in the name of jesus and our confidence is in now look, man, I, I prayed for you and that's good, but because God wants a relationship with you where you and he talk, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to be able to be bold and not intimidated or hindered in any way. And because we're for you, you're not in this alone. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me. But 
those of you that raise your hand, this is you talking to God. So let's all say this. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I surrender my will to yours. I receive you as my Savior now. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. And I believe with all my heart that you were raised from the dead so I could be forgiven. I call upon you now and ask you to forgive me and to live in me. And I thank you for forgiving me and saving me and loving me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Isn't that awesome?